I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My next guest developed a fondness for hitchhiking in his teenage years. He loved the spontaneity of it and the interactions he had with people along the way left a lasting impression on him. In the wake of Ireland's 2008 recession, feeling burnt out from years of relentless social campaigning and organising, he decided to do something drastic. He gave up his job, answered the call of the open road and hitched the length and breadth of Ireland with no itinerary, not knowing with whom he may speak, what he might, might hear or where he may sleep each night and he decided to write a book about his incredible experiences. It's just good for the soul. It's called Hitching for Hope, A Journey into the Heart and Soul of Ireland and the author Rory McKiernan joins me on the line now. How are you doing, Rory? I'm really good. Uh, I'm really good on the one hand and then I'm I'm like most people, I'm trying to get my head around everything at the moment. You know, it's, it's a wild time, isn't it? It absolutely is a wild time because for somebody like yourself who, you know, I know hitchhiking at times can be quite an isolating thing, but you experienced an awful lot of connectivity and for you to be kind of disconnected from people now definitely is challenging. I can absolutely see that. Uh, but, you know, Rory, you have some impressive CV. You're an award-winning social innovator, campaigner, writer, Fulbright Scholar, presidential appointee to Ireland's Council of State, founder of Spun Out. I mean, I could go on and on here. Have you always been one of those people who have been compelled to speak out for others and to help others? Um, well, I suppose I grew up with a sense of uh, community spirit and community values. I'm originally from Cootill in County Cavan, not too far up the road from yeah. there. And um, my parents were always very much involved in the community, whether it be the Scouts or Froiga or the GA or soccer or rugby, the whole shebang, credit unions. And I just had that awareness that we're all part of a bigger community and in some ways we have a responsibility to the wider community. And you can see that what's happening around us at the moment, how important that is. So I was fortunate in that way. And then I was also very aware of the border and the the violence around the border and the militarization of the border. My mother's from Donegal and we used to cross up and down through checkpoints and I suppose that gave me an awareness that all was not well in the world. And then years later, I would have traveled around the world and joined the dots to say that there was a lot of injustice in the world. And I suppose I just felt that those of us that have an ability and a privilege and a platform to do something 
um, we should do something. And uh, obviously that means different things for different people in different ways. But I suppose I, I gradually found my voice and with the help of supporters and mentors, and I would be a big, strong advocate for mentorship and helping young people find their, find their way in the world and find their voice. And I was very fortunate to have a great mentor called Janet Gaynor, a Cavan woman who lives in uh, Donegal. And I worked with her in the Northwestern Health Board. And then from there, I was encouraged to set up um, a youth organization. I set up spunout.ie and went from there. So I suppose really I've been just doing what I can and mm. I don't pretend I have all the answers. I'm still learning and figuring it out as I go every day. Absolutely. And this is what you did an awful lot of the, the, the time when you, you hitchhiked. But tell me about hitchhiking, first of all, because you started hitching when you were just 12. Do you remember the first time you hitchhiked? Like what compelled you to do this? Uh, I suppose like most people growing up in rural Ireland, a necessity is a good thing to <laughs> compel you <laughs> when you've no way to get somewhere or no bus and no transport. And um, I suppose life was quieter back then a wee bit, you know, and the roads were quieter and not everyone had a car as well. I'm not that old, like I'm, <laughs> I'm 42, but um you know, I suppose it was just the norm as well. And so if you needed to get into town or get home from town or go to a match or whatever. And I used to I used to go over to rugby training in Cavan Town from Coothill every Saturday morning and hitch over there. And it was just normal part of life, you know. Mm. But wasn't there something, though, kind of fairly significant that happened to you on a bus? Oh, there was. <laughs> Tell me the bus story, Rory. How, how, how could I forget the bus story? Um <laughs> Yeah, I suppose um, my family emigrated um, to Australia when I was 11 um, to Western Australia and there was a recession then. And it's important to remember that recessions are cyclical. They, they come and then they go and we can weather these storms. But like many families, we emigrated. Um, now, as it happens, we didn't last and, and my parents wanted to return just a year later. Um, but a year later, we had to move house and, and lived in a different area. And it was a little bit out of town, had to get a school bus and didn't know a lot of the kids in that area. And um, there was just one particular incident where I was trying to get off the bus and I realized that the lads behind me had tied the strings of my coat to the to the seat. And therefore, mm. I missed my stop. I couldn't get off and the whole bus was laughing at me. So I suppose it was a kind of a a bullying incident of sorts mm. it wasn't the worst type of thing that could happen really um but from that point forward i just decided i suppose i was humiliated truth be told and particularly like any young lad particularly when you're at that vulnerable age um humiliation doesn't go down well you're no. very sen sensitive so i just said damn it I'm, I'm not getting back on this bus again i'm gonna i'm gonna hitchhike home from school every day you know <laughs> i got a lift in every morning and i hitchhiked in, home in the evening and it was grand yeah and, and then uh, you, you could know, do that, that. yeah yeah and that opened up conversations and i suppose people you, you know you'd know half the people that would pick you up anyway you mm. know um, now, look, at a lot of people will be listening and thinking, what about fear and safety dynamics? And that does come into the fray, particularly, I think there's a gender component sometimes mm. as well, not just gender, but, you know, um, I, 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 I would give a disclaimer on it to say that it's not for everyone. There are precautions needed and that the world isn't always a safe place, but for the most part, it is also. And it's to try and balance that.
Absolutely, because, you know, for me, when I see uh, hitchhikers, is, you know, on the road, I, because I have an overactive imagination, Rory, I'm thinking of horror movies. I'm going, let's pick up the lovely man. Oh, actually, no, maybe not. He might murder me. You know, is there, yeah. is there a bit of that that goes on there well, a little bit? Well, you know, I actually heard a great story about a week ago from a guy who, his name's Simon um, here. I'm living in Clare these days. And Simon said he made a commitment to never pass a hitchhiker. So he said he was driving recently <laughs> and he saw this guy down by Limerick on the side of the road and he was dressed. He, was, he said he was well over six foot, long hair, a beard, leather, leather jacket down to his ankles <laughs> and he had an axe, a, a big axe in his hand. Oh my God. <laughs> and he said, he drove past him and he said, oh God, I'm actually being tested. I'm being tested by God or whoever. <laughs> And he said, there's no way I can give him. So anyway, he stopped. He stopped for him. No way. And he, he said he was the sweetest guy there you go. ever. He said he was a PhD student. He's totally broke. He he was on his way to one of these medieval reenactments. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just a big softy. And he had the best chats ever. That is so, so you know, I like, I, I, I'm not sure Axeman had, was aware that maybe he wasn't helping his case with the axe, but... There you go. But, you know, you've had these kind of uh, situations, you know, you you decided you had enough sort of of life in 2008, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot going on with you. You decided, you know what, I'm burnt out. I'm just going to leave work and I'm going to head off on this odyssey, really. Uh, So tell me about the odyssey and, and how it worked out for you. Yeah, there was a few things going on. Um, I suppose anyone listening that has had that uh, pressure of work or family or other things in life where you just feel like you've nothing left in the tank and you're just done in, you just cannot give any more. And it's often known as burnout. It maybe has different names as well. But I suppose I'd founded this organization. I'd worked night and day. And after eight years or so, I just had nothing left. And I decided to quit. But I quit straight headfirst into a recession. And... I suppose, if truth be told, uh, people would ask me, was I depressed? I'd say I had, I was in a depression. I mm. don't know if it was was depression clinically and so on, but um, it was certainly a dark time for me, a time of fogginess and cloudiness and not want, not knowing what to do next and also having a sense of perhaps wanting to emigrate and get out of here and frustration and anger with Ireland and the, sent, the lack of leadership and so on. So I, I just... I kind of felt this call that I wanted to explore Ireland and, and explore where hope might come from. And it, it sort of came in an unusual invitation to speak at the McGill Summer School where they wanted me to talk about people's voices, uh, people's views of Ireland. And I decided maybe this is an opportunity to go around the country and ask people their views and their voices about hope. And just the notion of hitchhiking came to me fairly sporadically. It just felt like a very real and organic way. And my immediate reaction to the thought was that I, I, uh, I'm mad because I hadn't hitched in years and I got into a comfort zone where I too was used to driving around like everybody else and didn't want the hardship yeah. of getting wet or soaked on the side of the road. And I didn't know would anyone pick me up either. So I suppose I just decided to go give it a lash and I did. And it just opened up the most beautiful adventure I've ever had. And I mean... I never set out to write a book about it or Mm. anything like that. Um, It was just afterwards that all these other things came out of it and people wanted to know more and wanted to know what I'd heard and what I'd seen. So I've documented it in this book, Hitching for Hope. And I've also kind of morphed it into a bit of a memoir. And also, I I don't know if it's a manifesto, but it's certainly a call 
call to action for these times, um, for light in the dark and for people power and for hope for all of us to stand together. And that's what I've tried to do. And the book is being released tomorrow. But I, apparently bookshops have started to post it out now through online orders. So I'm getting texts now as you speak. Nice um, one. With people reading and selfies of people reading. Oh, and, and it, listen, it it, very exciting. It, there's so many amazing feedback uh, from it. Christy Moore loves it. You know, loads of people giving you great, great, great feedback about this. But out of all the people that you met all over the place, who kind of sticks out in your mind as kind of really memorable, that feature in the book? You know, I'm putting you on the spot. (laughs) You are, but uh, I suppose that's your job, isn't it? Um, You know, I always try and answer this question like this just based on what comes to me in the moment. And there's a woman called Jane who lives in Wexford and she's the mother of uh, two autistic children. And uh, Jane's when I met her, her husband was still alive, but he's since passed away. And Jane's just one of these people that um, doesn't give up no matter what. And she's in a daily battle for services and supports for her children. And she's fighting for her children's livelihoods, for their rights, for their health, for their safety and um, for the welfare of her family. And I suppose people like that really, for me, are the true heroes, you know, mm. um, I'll get maybe a bit of acclaim from Christy Moore or whatever. And, and that, that is amazing. Don't get me wrong. Um, and, and some people are out front and centre, they, they get on the radio, they get on TV. But for me, people like Jane are the heroes of this country. And um, she ran in the general election, actually, as an independent and didn't get elected. But I'd love to see more people like that in politics and, and really representing the voices and, and issues of the people. Uh, but she's just one person that comes to mind. But there are so many others. Mm. Um, just often this notion of unsung heroes, you know, and, and there's so many of them in the book. Absolutely. And I, I've met them, a f- quite a few of them on the, on the show here as well. So do you think, you know, you touched on it earlier on there. Do you think this situation and um, that we're going through in Ireland will change us for the better? Do you think we'll reconnect with each other? Do you think we'll need better lives, less hectic lives? We'll slow down a little bit? Um, yeah, so I, I th- I'm inclined to drift towards the positive in all areas of life, but it's important we don't do that uh, naively, you know, mm. and say oh, everything's going to be fine. It Really, how it's going to work out depends on how we all react to it in our individual lives, in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, and indeed nationally and politically. It could go terribly, horribly wrong. And we could be uh, paying a a long and heavy price for a long time. Or we can use this as a reboot and reset and recalibration point where we can turn it into something profoundly brilliant in a way that we needed urgent change on so many fronts anyway. Uh, There were so many issues around housing, around healthcare, around the environment, around people with disabilities, carers, people being neglected and disrespected. And I think we need a lot of change anyway. And perhaps sometimes it takes a crisis to shake us. And certainly this is shaking us and and scaring the bejesus out of it as, as well. But let's not be afraid. Let's really have the courage in the moment to stand to the hour and do whatever we can within our power. And that might not be that might not be a big thing for some people. It might 
might be just about keeping your family safe and secure and sound, but it's also about minding ourselves individually because we can't help anybody else if we don't look after ourselves. And for me, that means going out for a walk, getting a bit of fresh air. I know we're supposed to be keeping socially distant and all that kind of stuff, but there are things we can do to literally before I went on the radio there, I, I went out and had a look at a daffodil. I'm not joking. Oh, you, you know? Do you know what, Rory, uh, you're on the same. <laughs> yeah, you're on the same wavelength as me because I said this at the start of the show. I said, you know, normally if people were working uh, in, in offices and stuff, you know, we wouldn't maybe be having our 11s at the start of the show there out in our lovely garden. Somebody messaged me in and said she saw a beautiful butterfly. Can't remember the last time she saw one. So you're absolutely on the wavelength. We are stopping to smell the roses and daffodils, literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, um, I'm a certainly a bigger appreciating daffodils like never before you know they're such a hopeful flower you know mm. and i'm not i'm not a big kind of flower person in general uh, but I, i'd appreciate them but i have a new appreciation for nature and spring you know spring is a time of hope in the dark and um, brighter days ahead and i think we have to really row in behind that and invest in that and if anyone has a bit of a patch of ground behind them maybe plant some flowers and, and bulbs and veg or whatever it is but um and i think we need to mind our digested media i think it's really important yeah. that we keep up to date and with solid news and not be careful of the fake ne- some of the fake news that's yeah. going around that that is frightening a lot of people frankly and particularly older people and to just check in with our, our neighbors and our loved ones even if that's just a one-line text that says how are you you know there, it can mean a just, big big there, difference it really can so, yeah, there's so much we can do. There's, you know, there's 24 hours in the day and I think we can use each one of it in a, in a constructive and a positive and a creative way um, rather than falling too far down into a pit of fear, which is, which is totally understandable, you know. It, mm. It's a scary time, particularly people in employment and work where um, those are under threat. But, but I do think it's important to keep the faith that we've been through hard times before and that our ancestors have been, our parents, our grandparents have been through very hard times. They got through it and we'll get through it. Absolutely. And you're, as you mentioned there, you're launching the book tomorrow in a truly unique fashion. How can people follow you? How can we get this amazing book? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the plan was to hitchhike again <laughs> all around <laughs> Ireland to vo- various launches and bookshops around Ireland. I think it's important to support bookstores and yes. particularly in- independent bookstores. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be out there and I had to obviously cancel that because it wasn't the right thing to do at th- this particular time. I'd love to do it again. Hopefully will. Um, so then I was kind of going, well, what am I going to do? My book's still coming out into the bookshops tomorrow. Um, and the bookshops are closed. <laughs> so <laughs> it's ter- in one sense, it's a terrible time to launch a book after yes. spending years working on it. And in another sense, it's perfect because we it's need a book it. about hope. We yeah. do need it. We and absolutely thankfully, do. Thankfully, uh, the heroes at On Post are still delivering and um, thank God for them. So people are ordering the book online and all the links are up on hitchingforhope.com and you can find it there. But um, what I decided to do was live stream it from my house here in Lahinch and Clare. Uh, I'm figuring out the technology now, so you'll be able to go to hitchingforhope.com, Hitching for Hope on Facebook. Uh, tune in 8 o'clock tomorrow, Thursday evening. Mark that in your diary, 8 o'clock tomorrow evening, Hitching for Hope. Um, and basically, I'll be having a bit of a chat, uh, seeing who logs in, uh, answering any questions people have. And I'm delighted to have some amazing guest speakers beaming in as well uh, from different locations um, two uh, friends and also inspirations um, two amazing senators, Lynn Ruan and Francis Black, uh, campaigners yep. and Francis, obviously a musician as well. 
And another great friend, um, Colin McInormer, who's renowned violinist, played with the Frames for yes. the last ter- 30 years or so. And he just makes the most stunning and soul, soul food music, if you like. And they're going to be tuning in. So it's a bit of an experiment, uh, but I'm hoping that it's, it's got the positive vibes and it'll just be a moment for people to connect and reflect and um, spread the love during, during this tricky time for people. Absolutely. Well, listen, Rory, we wish you the best of luck with the book. Thank you so much for joining me and uplifting me on the show today. Uh, much appreciated. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Thanks a million. Rory McKiernan there. Hitchingforhope.com is the website. And as he said there, launching tomorrow night at eight. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.